It is not the offspring of witchcraft or Satan. It was created by man. It will grow to be 15 feet tall. It will have huge eyes, webbed hands, hooked claws. It will walk upright. And it will mindlessly, mercilessly kill every living thing it meets. Prophecy. summary it says on letterbox right here she lives don't move don't (laughs) breathe there's nowhere to run she will find you (laughs) when a dispute occurs between a logging operation and a nearby native american tribe dr robert verne and his wife adrian from rocky are sent in to mediate Chief John Hawks insists the loggers are poisoning the water supply, and though the company man Isley denies it, um, the Vernes can't ignore the strangely mutated wildlife roaming the woods. Robert captures a bear cub for testing and soon finds himself the target of an angry mutant grizzly. <laughs> that was well read. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Yeah, you're welcome. So, Taylor, you're, you're talking about the political implications. As a uh, as a geography major <laughs> and a law student, yes, yes, indeed. What did you garner from this from this work of art? There's so much to unpack here. Um, at the beginning, uh, Adrian is worried about her baby. She's worried that um, her husband won't let her have this baby, and her female friend says to her. It's your body and your choice. This movie came out only six years after Roe vs. Wade, and often the uh, your body, your choice is used to support um, abortion, but here it's being used to um, affirm her desire to have a child. And so bodily autonomy for women needs to go both ways, I think, in that they should be able to decide what to do with their bodies, whether to have a child or not. Do you you think it's anti-abortion, this movie? I think it shows the peril of having children. Um, Because, as you see from the bear cub, and then later with Adrian's child, she's worried that the the mercury poisoning in the water is going to affect negatively her child's life. And so I think it's a cautionary tale saying that it could be about, you know, children born with disabilities and do you... You know, do you abort them because of that? Should Adrian abort her baby just because it might be uh, deformed like the bear was?
Which is scarier, the mutant baby bear or the baby from a racer head? The mutant baby bear? Um, that is an excellent question. <laughs> it's it's the baby from a racer head. <laughs> yeah, that's This one's like kind of cute, I would say. As a potential parent, I'd yeah. have the baby from a racer head because it laughs and that's nice. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> It looks like a little pod and it's like freaking out. This this one, it's like it's more recognizable as like a identifiable creature. It's yeah. basically just like a bear, but like kind of bloody. Yeah. What it reminded me of, what the end reminded me of was Rosemary's baby, where she, you know, gives birth to this to the de- to the devil's child. But even though it's kind of the Antichrist, she still cradles it and loves it as her own. Yeah, but the the craziest part is as she's like swimming to escape the mother bear with this baby bear in her arms. The baby bear's like biting in her neck, trying to drown her, killing her pretty much. Then her husband comes up and t- rips the baby out of her arms and drowns it. <laughs> That's an allegory, I think, for abortion, right? Because she wants yeah. to save the baby, but in reality, the baby's gonna kill her. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Especially now that she's had that mercury in her blood. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. This movie, this movie was deeper than we thought originally. It's like an iceberg, you know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I expected to just watch a giant guy, like, in a bear suit running around attacking people, but I didn't, I didn't and, radicalize. Yeah, we definitely got the, the bear suit. We got some... <laughs> Good shenanigans in a bear suit. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, can we talk about the sleeping bag? Yeah, I think that would be my favorite scene. I think that's my favorite scene. Uh, <laughs> just so there's a family camping, and the bear stumbles on them, and the, the <laughs> tears tears them all apart. But there's a kid hopping who's just stuck in a sleeping bag and he gets up and is hopping away and a bear just swats him. <laughs> the kid goes flying and then no blood, but just a cloud of feathers. Yeah. <laughs> when like, it hits a log. He hit him so hard. His body just disintegrated into the dust of like, the sleeping bag. There's just nothing left. What are we to gain from movies like this that depict violence against children, not unlike Star Wars Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith? Life is fragile, bro. Life is fragile, and especially for the young. Yeah, there's a lot of... there's a lot of death though in this movie. It doesn't discriminate young or old. I thought another one of the good deaths was the old Native American guy who sacrifices himself for the benefit of the team that's all running away. He thinks if he just accepts his fate and just stands his ground as this big like monster bear like pulls over to get him, that everyone will escape. And like it plays it like this little silhouette of him out in the distance and I thought he's gonna have like this honorable death where you kind of don't see it on camera but instead 
<laughs> I don't even know how they did it. it like, is it claymation or something? They just like grabbed all it. I, I think, I think it turned into like a, like a puppet. Not puppet, like a rag, a little rag doll that the guy in the bear costume was just whipping around. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the most like dishon, like dishonorable death. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's not respected, you know. No. no. Speaking of the Native Americans, one of them says to the to the loggers that the end of this forest is the end of my people, and I think that something that. Um, Euro-Americans and you know I am one as well don't understand is this like deep-seated connection to place that um, that Native Americans have for uh, lands on the American continent Um, to them this forest was like their church and you wouldn't want a mining company going and you know taking all the gold out of your church just because there's gold there the the forest is more important to this tribe than the trees yeah, one of my favorite quotes in it is when uh, we're gonna have to insert this in in there, but because he says it like with this like growl, it's awesome. But he says, "Cut my head off before you cut down these trees." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whereas, like the famous like American, uh, like Euro-American, like Revolutionary War, you know saying is give me liberty or give me death here they're saying like protect my land or give me death yeah definitely when when um i I was thinking about that i was also thinking about this kind of like medieval european theme where uh if the the king is sick or doing something bad it's reflected land so, like, in all of these myths, there will be some swampy land, like, dead trees, dead animals. And then they do something to the king where he redeems himself or, like, becomes healthy. And, like, the entire land is all redeemed as well. And it shows, like, the connection of the land and the people who live on it. Like, if they're both um, healthy, then, like, they affect each other. And I think America has positioned native americans in like such a or like i don't know how to describe this we'll have to edit this a little bit but basically (laughs) the natives are so dis like treated wrongly that then the land has all of these bad things happen to it as well i agree i agree with that because often you know i was i was talking to some tourists from europe um the other day they were hiking the pacific crest trail and they were like oh we don't have open space like this in the united states isn't it nice that your people leave open space and it's like well the reason there's open space is because the people that have lived here for thousands of years understood the value of spaces left undisturbed and they lived with and on and by the land but compared to um what's often found in, in Europe, in Asia, and other places around the world, like here in um, the Western Hemisphere, um, there's lots of open space left behind. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think it's interesting that they, 
the Native Americans in this had like an explanation for the monster and it was I forgot what it was called, it was like Kagawe or something. Oh yeah. And mm. and like that's old guy who got ragdolled, he was like hoping, I feel like, to dissuade like appease to this evil that the white the white uh loggers had made and it is just like a monster that that can't be appeased it's not like the their legends not unlike godzilla where the um, advent of nuclear weaponry led to mass destruction by an almost unstoppable force and in the original Godzilla from 1954, the only way they were able to stop it was by destroying oxygen and killing everything. And so it's a cautionary tale against, um, you know, exploitation of natural resources against, um, you know, destruction of native peoples. Yeah, I would say it's like it's like human humanity's reckoning for their sins where innocents are affected. And it also kind of reminds me of like this motif in American horror where America is a haunted location because of the, the sins of like the European settlers where they uh, like kill the native Americans and push them off their, their land. Like all of that energy is still in the soil of America. And so that the, it's like a haunted place. Like you see that in the whole, um, Indian burial ground motif, which is yeah. poltergeist and then the shining and all this stuff. Totally. So I think I think it's reflective of what like we Americans feel in America. We all know that like that history is problematic and wrong, even if we don't want to admit it. And I think horror is a lens that you can kind of see that that's our collective fear and guilt. Yeah, the cumulative <laughs> guilt <laughs> built up. Yeah, that's that's really good. Yeah, and another thing about the natives too, like they're this deep symbol for all of that in this movie. But at the same time, they have like teepees in Maine. I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's that's not what they do in Maine. <laughs> yeah, no, and they also. <laughs> They also like kind of th- this part made me feel really weird. They had they had like the they they explained why they were acting drunk. Like like okay, so they there was a line that was like the reason that they're act they like act drunk even though they haven't had liquor is because of this poison is because of the mercury is because yeah. it's affecting their brains. Yeah. But like, they're never like, there's not a character in it that is drunk at yeah. any point. So they're just like basing that off of a super terrible stereotype. Yeah. yeah. It's just the stereotype of, you know, these, you know, just drunk Indians that don't know what they're doing. When in fact, as we're seeing with, Secretary Deb Holland, as we're seeing with Bears Ears National Monument, with Standing Rock. Um, <laughs> the tribes know how to manage their land. 
Yeah. Yeah. Dude, another thing that I thought was interesting, too, is when they first show up, the main characters roll in there. Is someone eating chips? <laughs> Sorry, that might have been me. I have a little plastic bag I <laughs> picked up. I thought it was quiet. <laughs> I'm, I'm playing with magnets. Can you hear them? No, I can't hear them. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No. But anyway, when, when the main characters first show up to the forest, the guy who's like driving them in is like, oh, yeah, like these murders happened with that search party. And he's like, I don't think they even need to send in a search party to find their bodies. They need to send in a posse because we all know the Indians did it. And it just shows that like the monster is further dividing the people, like the white people and the natives. And so like these environmental disasters that this monster is kind of standing in for or the sins of our past are going to just make us more divided. That's what I pulled from it. I really like that. It's play into our fears and like make us think like unreasonably about each other and play into all of our stereotypes we have for each other. Yeah. I really like that. One last question I had for the both of you is what do you think of the title? Doesn't it have to do with the Native American prophecy? Mm, yeah. I forgot exactly. Yeah, I think that creature that's in their prophecy is like supposed to cleanse the land. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> that's what I think. Yeah, and also with this, uh, there's like a trim tool that I, I had to make a podcast before. And so you can just go in and trim. And so we can just cut out only like the best parts and like have little like pauses in between a little like, like five second music thing. So it won't actually be 23 minutes. Cool. Yeah, okay. I, I probably got to well, get one in a minute, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think there's anything to cut in this goal. <laughs> <laughs> we, we might just want to release it in two episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'll All just, right. Well, I'll just read you, read you one thing that I read about it. And I want to hear your Okay? Okay. So when it came out in 1979, Gary Arnold of the Washington Post said that this film is essentially an indoctrination course in liberal guilt, shabbily disguised (laughs) as monster melodrama. Indeed, it's such a motley monster picture that it may be lucky to attract fleeting snickers as a kind of poor man's alien. What do you think about that? Do you agree? (laughs) I think that different than Alien that focuses on supernatural horrors, this one focuses on actual lived horrors. This movie came out just a few years after the Clean Water Act was passed. There was all kinds of contamination in the water. Mark Twain said, truth is stranger than fiction, but it is because fiction is obliged to stick to possibilities. Truth is not. Um, And so different than Alien, which... Um, talks about, you know, extraterrestrial threats. You know, in this one, humans are the villain. That was deep. I I do, yeah. I do think it is budget alien, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing against, I, I love alien. Nothing against alien. Oh, no. I, I, I agree with Taylor, but I think it's, it's not 
it's not as good, but it's um I think it, it is trying to tackle like some of the same themes like um like we talked about abortion and yeah. like rights of a woman and yeah. I think Alien tackles those. Uh but it it also is like a, a screaming liberal movie. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yes, but we, we have to recommend it then, right? It's a yeah, product think... of its time. It came out during the Carter administration. Hey <laughs> <laughs> And you know how I feel about Jimmy Carter. Jimmy, my man. Jimmy, my man, dude. <laughs> Taylor, I have one I have one last question for you too. All right, all right. As as someone who is deeply invested in the environment, you know, you've studied it, you're out there. I feel like this movie portrays an adversarial relationship between animals and humans. You know, you've got at the beginning, the EPA guy is working with a family and the baby was bitten by a rat. And then you get in there and they're in the forest and there's this like horror moment, but the monster turns out to just be a raccoon. But it's not like played for laughs. It's like, no, that raccoon is scary. It's going to kill them. <laughs> Which I actually appreciate it because I think raccoons are really scary. Yeah. But anyway, then, then you get the evil bear, like crazy monster at the end. All of the instances with animals, there are adversaries. What do you think about that, Taylor? That's an excellent question. So um, <laughs> I think that humans, especially, well, I think that humans are socialized to fear animals. But by and large, animals are like wild animals and other species are not particularly aggressive against humans. The only known uh, mammal that actively hunts humans is the polar bear um other than that you know the animals are content to just let us be um i think as part of the the liberal guilt that this movie talks about humans feel guilty for what we've done to animals and so we try to scapegoat them and make them seem like the bad guys when really um defeat them yes 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 but um, I was reading Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmer, excellent book about indigenous wisdom. And she says that every person, if you trace your you know, heritage back, you're indigenous to somewhere and your ancestors learned how to live sustainably with their natural environment. And just because we as Euro-Americans have been transplanted to a land that's not our own and think that we can do whatever we want with it um, doesn't mean that we ought to forget that sustainable relationships with our fellow species are in fact possible. Amen. God bless. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can pull a podcast out of that. Was that one okay? one more thing. Yeah, let's hear it, Weston. Axe or chainsaw? I forgot, like, like, please describe the, the scenes with an axe or a chainsaw. I remember the chainsaw, they, like, hold it to the Indian guy. Oh, they're, they're just fighting each other with an axe and a chainsaw, that's all. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he has the axe, and then the other guy's the chainsaw. Yeah. But what, what do they end up defeating the big monster with? Isn't it, like, a bow and arrow? It's, yeah, the guy, the, it is a bow and arrow. And See? the guy, the doctor in the end is just is in the grips of the bear and he's just stabbing the bear in the face with a bow and arrow. 
And here's the thing. He runs out of bullets with his gun. He does. And then he has to resort to more traditional means to defeat the beast, which mm-hmm. happened to come from the Indians, the Native Americans. Who were all massacred. Hmm. Can, gets the noggin jogging. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> well, sick. All right. Better all right. Any, anything else? I think that's it. Love you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> Love you, Taylor. <laughs> and, uh, provide your wisdom. Yes. Well, thank you for providing your wisdom as well. Lots to, lots to unpack. Lots to unpack here.